Welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hello, it's Nick. And for those that don't know me, I'm Open Research Advisor based in the lab here at Leeds. So my role encompasses open access to publications, open and fair data, software and code, really the entire research process to make all aspects of the research cycle accessible so that research can be reproduced and to help to increase its impact, both in academia and outside the ivory tower to promote knowledge for all, to quote University of Leeds Library's vision for 2030. So this quick podcast is to reflect on a year in open research, both for me personally and across the University of Leeds and the wider sector. Absolutely loads has happened in 2023, driven at Leeds by the Open Research Advisory Group, chaired by Professor Bernadette Moore from the School of Food Science and Nutrition, and Claire Knowles, our Associate Director for Research and Digital Futures in the Library, and supported by a really collaborative group of colleagues from right across the university, taking in professional services, including the library, ODMPL, that's Organisational Development and Professional Learning, research computing, public engagement, as well as academic colleagues from a range of disciplines and career stages. This very podcast was one of the initiatives supported by that group, with some funding for equipment and training with the brilliant Michael Sharkey, who helped us to get over our initial fear. I think it was my colleague Ruth Winden who taught me into it, along with Jed Hall, Tony Bromley and Emma Sperry, my colleagues from ODMPL. You can catch up with each of our seasons, focused on our own specialisms and interests, with the playlink lists linked to this episode. A major initiative that I've been involved with in 2023 is the Knowledge Equity Network, co-founded by the University of Leeds and the University of Pretoria in South Africa. The Knowledge Equity Network, or KEN for short, is a collaborative community of engaged institutions, organisations and individuals across the world, and asks us to imagine a world in which human knowledge is shared more equitably, and what we can achieve if we work together, collaboratively rather than in competition. The Declaration on Knowledge Equity aims to capture our collective commitment and aspiration to reduce inequality by increasing access to knowledge and has, and has to date been signed by 19 higher education institutions, 32 organisations and over 200 individuals across the world, representing 57 countries. You can find the declara- declaration online, link below in the show notes. And if you agree with its principles, please add your name or get in touch if you or your organi- organisation would like to join the network. I've really enjoyed working on Ken, and sometimes perhaps my job can feel a bit abstract, advocating the basic principles of open research, or even, dare I say, bureaucratic. bureaucratic. And to be honest, advising on data management plans will never be my favourite job. So I don't always perhaps see the full impact of the research project unless I actively follow it up. Through Ken, I've had the opportunity to meet colleagues from all over the world and to get a real insight to why open research and education really matters in countries that perhaps lack the resources and infrastructure of a relatively wealthy country like the UK. It's also, it's also really important for us and any university to work more closely with our local communities, which is a theme that has come through strongly working with Pretoria, where they have a strong focus on addressing youth unemployment, preparing students for the world of work, and on enabling students to access higher education with a specific focus on black South African students. Ultimately, it comes down to the question of what a university is actually for, which isn't or shouldn't be chasing rankings. 
In terms of a real world impact, one of the organisations we worked with to develop the declaration was Wikimedia UK. It's fair to say that the global Wikimedia community has similar aspirations and has already made dramatic progress in facilitating knowledge equity through its various projects, infrastructure and global community. There's Wikipedia itself, of course, the internet's most popular information site, often among the top search engine hits for academic subjects. Wikipedia is, though, in fact, just one of a number of interconnected free knowledge projects supported by the Wikimedia, Wikimedia Foundation. So there's Wikimedia Commons, a repository of open licensed media files, including photographs, diagrams, video and audio. Wikisource is a free library of out-of-copyright texts, while Wikiversity and Wikibooks encourage collaborative creation of open educational resources. The fastest growing Wikimedia project is Wikidata, a store of structured data that can be read and edited by humans or machines. There's huge potential for universities to engage strategically with Wikimedia, with benefits in the areas of information literacy and research impact. Sharing openly licensed text and images to improve Wikipedia, for example, and linking Wikipedia citations to open access repositories. It's not just about benefiting a university in a purely instrumental way. As the global commons, Wikimedia has a real potential to share knowledge and, crucially, enable everyone, anyone to contribute. Just try a web search for your academic discipline or interest. No matter how esoteric, one of the first hits will almost certainly be Wikipedia, and many people won't look past those first few hits. How accurate, comprehensive or well-cited is it, though? As an expert, you are unique, uniquely placed to improve it. There are checks and balances with Wikipedia, though. Look at the talk page on, the, on an article, and you'll see that it has been assigned a grading based on the Wikipedia content assessment scale ranging from stub, which is a very basic description of a subject, through start class, C, B, G, A, which is good article status, right up to FA or featured article, which means it's passed an in-depth examination by impartial reviewers. It's also fully transparent and any edit ever made is recorded with, with the user or at least their IP address of who made the edit. These were the fundamental ideas that prompted our Wikimedia Champions project again with the support of the Open Research Advisory Group, which, fun, which ran first as a pilot in 2022, with two postgraduate researchers from the Faculty of Biological Sciences, and again in 2023, with seven PGRs representing four different faculties across the university, and covering a range of different subjects, from dress history to DNA origami, gene targeting and cryogenic electron microscopy. If you don't know much about those subjects, as I didn't, have a quick Google and you'll find some of the champion's contributions on the Wikipedia articles. With the support of staff at the university and a professional Wikimedian, Dr. Martin Poulter, the champions learned about Wikimedia and examined Wikipedia in their subject areas, identifying areas of need and making contributions. As well as myself, the university team included Dr. Joanna Brown from the Digital Education Service and Dr. Chris Hassel from the Faculty of Biological Sciences. I've previously published a paper with Martin in 2020 about Wikimedia and, universe, Wikimedia and universities and was honoured and a little flabbergasted to be recognised this year as UK Wikimedian of the Year, nominated by Martin and in recognition of my advocacy for Wikimedia projects at Leeds and in UK higher education. That, of course, has been a collaborative effort and I'd like to acknowledge Martin's support, Chris and especially Joanna, who really has been the driving force behind the Wikimedia Champions project in particular. Also, all our champions, of course. So that's Beth, Hira, Lucy, Daniela, Deborah, Jenny, Ross, Tambir, and Yashashwani. You can actually hear an interview with Beth and Hira on this, pack, on this podcast, in fact. I really do think that Wikimedia offers a unique collaborative environment to learn, 
while contributing something of real value to the, to the global commons. Now, editors, for example, can focus on improving Wikipedia articles, adding citations or uploading openly licensed media from research articles, diagrams or technical illustrations, bringing together a community of researchers, students and citizens to hone both their research and technical skills, as well as specific open practices and principles, copyright and open licensing or open access to ensure that information is available to the widest possible global audience. Or in terms of knowledge equity, you can, you can focus on translating Wikipedia articles. And while English Wikipedia is the biggest, there are over 300 different language Wikipedias globally, each with their own communities. So what else has been happening? Well, I was sad to say goodbye to Dorka Tamas and Chris Cox, our postdoctoral research assistants who have, between them, developed an incredible 75 open research case studies that you can find on the library blog and in White Rose and in the White Rose Research Online repository. We still need to do more work on these to explore what they tell us about open practices in different disciplines. And Dorka wrote an interesting post for the library blog with some preliminary analysis of the different research methodologies represented across the case studies. And I think this is a really interesting area to explore further with very different issues across quantitative and qualitative research, for example, mixed methods or practice-based, participatory action research, etc. Four specific case studies have been repackaged in an online resource developed with a digital education service that introduces the guiding principles and aims of open research and highlights the benefits. So that covers open access, open and fair data, open platforms, tools and services, an open approach to conducting research, transparency and public engagement, and, induce, and introduces open licensing and concepts like pre-registration. It's got quizzes and space for reflection, so please do have a look at that, again linked in the show notes below. We've continued our open lunch series of virtual talks and now have an extensive archive of recordings on the library blog. We've had talks recently from UKRN and UK RIO, that's the UK Reproducibility Network and the UK Research Integrity Office, with Leeds having formally joined both organisations in 2023. We also welcome Dr Theo Andrew from the University of Edinburgh, who have blazed a trail in the UK with their rights retention policy launched in 2022. Many other universities have since followed suit, including Leeds as part of the N8 Research Partnership. Essentially, rights retention supports researchers in retaining their intellectual property when submitting their research helpers for publication, rather than transferring it to their publisher. This means that accepted manuscripts can be made immediately, immediately open access from the White Rose Research Online Repository without an embargo. So this is useful when the university doesn't have a deal in place with specific journals to cover the cost of gold open access. You can find a list of these deals on the library website. And it's worth mentioning that this model of open access has significant implications for knowledge equity. And while in the past, less wealthy institutions in the global south may not have been able to afford subscription access to academic journals, now they may not actually be able to afford to publish their research at all in those same journals due to the cost. That's why research culture initiatives are so important, addressing some of these fundamental issues. And the university's research culture strategic plan was launched at an event in September. Again, see the link below, which covers four strategic objectives. So they are, number one, valuing diverse forms of research activity. That is championing non-standard outputs through research communications, news and marketing. Embedding EDI principles, so equality, diversity and inclusion in research practices 
So that might, for example, be allocating promotion support for researchers with protected characteristics that are underrepresented at senior grades. Uh, mutually supporting and developing research teams, for, for instance, by developing and disseminating guidance on the responsible use of redeployment and short-term contracts. And of course, enabling open research practices. And along with my colleague, Emily Goodall, I'll be co-chairing a group looking at open research training and resources with one key deliverable to develop what we're calling an open research hub to share good practice and signpost support across disciplines. Another related initiative covered by the Research Culture Strategy is working with the Directors of Research and Innovation, DORIS, as disciplinary research champions. Just to mention too that my fellow podcaster, Emma, is a keen beekeeper. And if you haven't listened to her episode combining research culture with the culture of beehive, you really should. So that's just some of the work that's happened in 2023. And as we roll now into 2024, there's lots more on the horizon. Working with the UK Reproducibility Network on their Open Research Indicators project, the UKRI Monogross policy that, by the time you hear this, will have come into effect on the 1st of January, the Research Excellence Framework, which has now been put back a year to 2029, we'll expect more information there about open research and related issues of research culture. Ultimately, all of this depends on collaboration across the university and across the sector, across disciplines and services, even within the library. So our colleagues in special collections, learning development, and the new digital creativity and culture. So across the university, we'll be continuing to work closely with research and innovation services, research computing and ODMPL. Across the sector with colleagues at other universities, UKRN, UKRIO, UKRI, and internationally with Ken Partners and Spark Europe, to name but a few. There'll be more open lunches. I'd like to explore open research in the curriculum, perhaps, extending advocacy to undergraduates as well as postgraduates and their supervisors. So if you haven't yet got fully to grips with open research, don't worry, you're not alone. Please get involved and, con and contribute to the conversation. Thanks for listening and look forward, hopefully, to meeting you in 2024. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. Thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.